everyone. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Today on the show, we are going to talk about one of our very favorite movies from 2023, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, which is a retelling of the Frankenstein. Frankenstein? Frankenstein is a style. <laughs> which is the retelling of Frankenstein, a Frankenstein story. It's a horror mystery. And we both loved it. I thought literally this was one of the best horror films i've seen in the past few years i did too and you know the reviews don't really reflect that but i do, i disagree well and i think it's because it's you know we there's so many different genres in horror and how we define or redefine horror is it the most terrifying thing i've ever seen not from a gory scary jumpy horror no but it's terrifying for a lot of other reasons and terrifyingly close to the truth regarding just, well, we're going to talk about some of the themes that come up in this movie that I think made it really terrifying and also want to discuss Bomani J. Story, who was the director of this film and where some of his influence came from and also what he wanted the audience to really get from this. But as as Shannon noted, it's yeah drama fantasy horror, written and directed by story, um, narrative of a young girl who develops into an atypical antihero, whose driving desire is to cure death. This all happens after a life changing tragedy has rocked the lead, Vicaria to her core. While she lacks uh, that many consider basic rationality, she has no shortage of intelligence. She use, uses that intelligence to fulfill her desire, but at a painstaking cost. Though it is not blatantly apparent in the synopsis, considering further detail of the plot, it's easy to see the resemblance between this twisted tale where tragedy and long, longing intermingle and Shelley's masterful 1818 work. This is a rightfully so, so as, according to Voices from the Balcony, Shelley's Frankenstein, the muse, as bloody, disgusting details. For me, I also think, full transparency, I, I lost a brother when I was young. And so the, the grief story in uh, a sibling losing a sibling is, is one part of it for me personally, but then also the way in which he died obviously was very different from the way my brother passed, but Vicaria trying to really make like some existential understanding and making meaning out of her suffering. So there's a very sudden violent murder of her brother and it convinces her that death is a, a disease rather than, you know, this permanent, like, it's a symptom, right? So the, the whip smart and determined teen resurrects her brother. But like we know in Frankenstein, that doesn't always end well. <laughs> Zombies are really not the ultimate thing that we want. We haven't figured out a way to resurrect the dead. And I imagine our culture is going towards that. And Frankenstein, back from... The eighteen hundred early eighteen hundreds is a cautionary tale around that that still lives on today. I think that one of the things I loved about this movie is not only that I loved this main character and her her Frankenstein like persistence and obsession, which is important in that character, and delusion around oh, yeah. what is true and what is not and what is what she's capable of and what we are capable of scientifically because I think that Frankenstein has always been 
a great story that allows us to see what a dangerous and amazing privilege knowledge is. And so that question around knowledge is here in this movie. I also like that we're looking at it from a cultural lens that is not my own. So that is also intriguing to me. I like to be put into worlds that I didn't grow up in and try to understand our stories from a different lens. And so I like that about it. Mm -hmm. But I, I mostly fell in love with, I think the plot is really tight. And I also think I just fell in love with her. Oh, she's so good. And I would go as far to say that one of the things that really made me feel in this film was the development of all the characters, her father, mm -hmm. uh, the guys that she was trying to run from. The little um, kid. The little kid. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was, was very multidimensional. You know, a lot of times, and obviously, you know, we have a, a black storyteller, a black director, a black writer, so this this helps. But a lot of times in, in films like this, these characters are very tropey and one-dimensional. And I think that even in the characters that aren't the most redeeming, at the beginning or they're unlikable, you get to know them more in depth and you get to know contextual pieces that make the story so much richer. And so some of the themes and messages that, that I'm just going to throw on the table that you and I can talk about mm -hmm. in this film are sorrow, anger, death of a sibling, which I mentioned, finding strength in the face of adversity, death and grief, complexities of identity. That's just layered and laced throughout this film. Racism, so, you know, Chris is reincarnated as a faceless, hooded black man, mm -hmm. right? This is her brother. Uh, quest for belonging and then challenging stereotypes. So these are some of the major themes that I found and found online that uh, resonate with me um, that m made this from just a what could have been a very simple retelling of a story into something much more layered and thoughtful and deliberate and just art. I thought it was just so well done. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. So the correlation around the racism piece, I think it's very and a very interesting thing. And and the movie Get Out did it as well because that movie had Frankenstein vibes as well. There's mm -hmm. layers of the Frankenstein story in that movie, and it's like yeah, when when Frankenstein the novel by Mary Shelley first came out. And, you know, it really played into the 19th century fears around capitalism and how it would change things and how it would change work and social relationships. And a lot of people interpreted Frankenstein's monster as that fear of capitalism, the fear of economic systems and how they would change and how they would be different. You know, that monster was this like menacing version of, of, what was once familiar is now changed because Frankenstein's story is really, you know, he doesn't start out as a monster. <laughs> he starts out as like a kind person that just wants to fit in and doesn't want to be isolated and wants to be in society and, and be a human and grow up and be around everyone. Right. And turns into what he turns into. And that was one of those fears. And so in, Jordan Peele's Get Out, there was this idea of the, there was this reality of the racial anxiety of 
black people's fears around white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And so in that movie, the way black bodies were co-opted and how they were controlled uh, is that metaphor and continues today of how we co-opt black experience. We co-opt like and get out black people's bodies for our purposes as white supremacists. Mm-hmm. Supre- exploited. Yeah, exploited, yeah. the patriot or whatever word you want to yeah. use. It's that building something that we can control. Well, and also, I mean, the reason why exploitation comes up for me too, especially in that movie, is we think about how they were cloned or whatever for their strength and their mm-hmm. muscles and sure. their athleticism. And we know that historically through genetics and epigenetics that a lot of their build comes from slavery. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's so twofold, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it, and, and I think this, this movie, like you're saying is like, there's just so many levels to the way in which the black, more specifically in this movie, the black man is, is utilized as a tool. I don't know. Yeah. And it's, it's also the suggestion of, of, her wanting to save him from that, in other words, is so, it's counterintuitive because, okay, so there's this idea of knowledge and science and what a dangerous thing that can be mm-hmm. and how that always goes awry. And she just wants her brother back. So she decides that death is a disease that she can cure she just wants her brother back. But what she ends up doing is creating something that she believes she'll be able to control. Right. You know, co-opting kind of his essence and through science that she'll be able to control it. Mm -hmm. And in the Frankenstein story, what we learn is that Dr. Frankenstein creates something that he feels like he can control. And that is like, narcissistically an advance in science through an emotional need, but then you're actually controlling something that no one can control and that becomes unleashed. And isn't that sometimes the, the hallmark of control for humans, right? It's like this, it's really an illusion. Totally. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of the, you know, whereas white supremacy believes that they can co-opt people of color for their agenda and then when that which when that backfires on them when that isn't humane when that is racist then they go insane everybody goes you know it's like it doesn't work because we don't control other humans in that way we can't control other humans in that way and so but but these kinds of films talk about that racial anxiety of being controlled. And and then she's trying to control her brother in that way yeah. out of this emotional need to have right. him back. And and like we've seen this too time and time again. It's like I control my can control or say nasty things about my family, but you can't. Yeah. Right. So I th- I don't think she's even viewing it through the lens. Nah. Obviously. She's viewing it through the lens of love and protection and also yeah there's her own agenda but there's that cognitive dissonance that rationalization around why this is so necessary yeah grief can do a lot of shit yeah we can become well in this movie she becomes obsessed yeah with this idea and then 
the knowledge of the science and then also obsessed with the power and control that can come with like, what if I succeed? Not only am I getting my emotional need met and that's what's driving the whole thing, but also with Franken Dr. Frankenstein, you always have to have this idea of, of obsessive, obsessive knowledge, obsessive pursuit of something that is not good for society. And as you're saying this, it it makes me think about some of the scenes with the white teacher and her and when the father comes in and there's this whole conference with the teacher. Basically what she's saying is is your, you know, your daughter is too outspoken and loud and disrespectful. She's not saying it this way, but basically like your black daughter needs to learn to be quiet. Yeah, she's a total racist and he total racist. Mm -hmm. And so what what do we know about when you push a society that's been oppressed for so long and that could be any, that could be a person of color, that could be the queer community, that could be women, that could be whatever Mm -hmm. you push them far enough and they're ultimately going to do things because they're so angry and they're so hurt and they're so tired that then they go ahead and do something. And the the privileged community goes, well, I mean, you're making yourselves look bad. I mean, oh. why would you do something like that? It's like, because oh. you motherfuckers got us here. Because I'm fucking right? oppressed, it, you it, asshole. Right. And so, like, the un- to me, there's so much of that underlying, like, because there's this been this oppression and now this need to fight back is looked at as, like, anger, intolerance, hatred, impulsivity, and no one's thinking about, like, oh, this is so reckless. This is a- no one's thinking about, like, how do we think she got here? Yeah, exactly. And but that's what a narcissistic organization right. or culture is going to do. Right. Is they're going to make you crazy. They're going to make you yes. feel crazy yes. for your experience. Right. Oh, you know, my experience of living in this world is that I am oppressed, racially aggressed against, etc. And you're going to make me feel crazy for feeling that way. You're going to gaslight me into thinking like, no, no, you're not serving yourself. You need to be quiet. And da, 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 da. Oh, I can't. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's awful. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So Story, the the director, he mentions in some of his interviews how he really wants, you know, because they asked him, you know, what is your monster in this, right? And he says, uh, there's an element, he laughs at the question. So there's an element of this movie of believing what someone tells you you are, which is kind of going off of what I was just saying. He says... I think something as simple as calling you stupid when you're five, as me calling you stupid when you're five. And you go on the rest of your life thinking that you're not smart can alter your life forever. That's very horrifying to me, believing people when they're wrong. He said the monster here is the privileged and disparaging narrative of the oppressor. And so really the overarching monster in this movie was what this system has done to push people to a place where they create their own monstrosity. Mm-hmm. And that is deep. 
That's like, that's not even like a director trying to be deep. That's Mm -hmm. just really fucking deep. Oh, no. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, the Frankenstein story has so many themes to it that are deeply woven in our culture. And I think, well, before we get into that, I was going to go down the direction of like why we retell this story so many times. Can we do some horror facts? I think we need to do some angry facts with girl. We got to talking, and sometimes we forget to do the facts because we get to jabbing. Okay, number one. Oh, boy. Hold on. Let me get my pen. All right. I'm ready. When director Bamani J. Story was a kid, his sisters gave him three horror films that terrified him and affected his love of horror. Were they A, American Werewolf in London, Child's Play, and The Lost Boys? Was it two, People Under the Stairs, Candyman, Friday the 13th, or was it three, Child's Play, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street? Mm, That's tough. Those are all good. You know? (laughs) Okay. Number two, Story said the script idea came to him in what year before being picked up in 2020? Number three, Leia DeLeon who plays Vicaria in the film, is best known for her role on what CBS series opposite Queen Latifah? Yes. Number four. Frankenstein, the novel, is considered an early example of science fiction and was inspired by what? Something that happened to Mary Shelley. Okay. And then five. There is some speculation that Shelley may have lost her virginity here at this location. <laughs> not here in this office. I'm like, really? What have you been doing over there? It was not a there? statement. That was a question. <laughs> um, I, I want to, before we go into the, the question I have for you, Shannon, I just want to also throw out some of the... Um, some of the films that story, <laughs> yeah, Bomani totally. story, Jay story was influenced by that's helped him become the director. He is the first is Ace in the Hole, 1951, directed by Billy Wilder. Albert and Alan Hughes, 1993, Menace to Society. Really, I mean, talk about a, a landmark film. 2006, Darren Aronofsky, The Fountain. Mm. 1997, Curtis Hansen, LA Confidential. And then, of course, 1973, Toby Hooper, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So those were some of his faves. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but I wanted, you know, I know that, that Frankenstein is one of your, if not your favorite, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And you and I, throughout our five plus years of doing the show and all the horror that we've watched and the conventions and Halloween Horror Nights, we know that Frankenstein has held such a space historically in horror. And why do you think that this retelling is really a kind of interwoven in all of horror and it continues to be, what do you think that's about? Well, I think there's two levels to that quote. Well, probably more than two, but a couple of levels to that question. Meaning one is like, why do we retell stories over and over again to begin with? And the other is why do we retell or talk about or use the Frankenstein concepts so often? So I would talk a little bit about, you know, retelling stories over and over again are often about the fact that we have common ground. It bonds us as a society, even culturally, like inter, you know, multi-generational within multiple different cultures. 
countries, like these kinds of stories bind us together, I believe, because we can all find ourselves in them and we can compare and contrast and we can distort the story to serve our culture or serve our knowing of ourselves. It's like, what if we do a Frankenstein movie where they are queer? What if we do, you know, I read one article that was talking about like, what if we made Pride and Prejudice, you know, what if they were zombies or what if, uh, like, it's like the what yeah, if, right? Yeah. The what if of the stories. And and that is something that where we, t- we engage in perspective taking. We get different perspectives and it allows us to know that we all think about the world differently, but that we have these common myth, the common mythology that kind of binds all of us together that we can find something. So that, that's really containing and relieves anxiety and allows us to feel like part of something. And I think retelling stories does this. I also believe that we retell stories because it changes how we think and feel. It changes our culture. It changes how I mean, we my God, how many horror movies do we talk about right now it's like on the they show? Make like, jokes about there's only seven stories that we tell over and over and over again, or there's only seven different kinds of songs that we just, we write over and over and over again. And that is absolutely about community and about bringing us together. On a personal level, retelling stories, and you you know you got you and I know we get this a lot in the in the therapy room is I feel like I come here every week and I just tell you the same stories over and over again. You know, like we get that a lot, but that's what reimagining our own narrative is, is we can, you know, there's something in me and I think in, in a lot of people because it's a, it's a really potent story, but there's something in me that goes back again and again to the Frankenstein story. There's something that in me that goes back to demon possession and exorcism and religion and how that gets distorted, spiritual narcissism. There's something in me that goes there. I would say that for Frankenstein in particular, I brought up a couple of things already, so I'll just reiterate them sort of in a list. Is I said something about how it brings up the question of knowledge and knowledge being a dangerous thing and how much knowledge is okay and how we can distort knowledge. I was raised by a gaggle of teachers. Knowledge and was a part of, of how I grew up. And so that taking knowledge and distorting it and making it a nightmare is a, is a through line of something that I'm obviously working out. I mean, Frankenstein has additions. I have one in my hand that's like annotated for scientists, engineers, and creators of all kinds. It's very heavily steeped in science and thoughtfulness about knowledge. And that is something, I mean, I don't think anybody with a PhD can say they they don't seek knowledge, (laughs) but but like that's a big piece of it. The other piece of it that I already mentioned was the social context controlling others, co-opting whole groups of people for our agenda, that kind of cultural narcissism, abuse, that control piece of it, where we get obsessed with something and we feel like we're doing the right thing and then we're controlling. And I think that's, that's an interesting concept to me. I also think that one of the things that plays out over and over and over again with Frankenstein is not only science, but that idea of knowledge being a, a scary thing plays out like what I was saying earlier with Shelley's, you know, uh, 19th century culture around 
capitalism and new money and all the different things that were happening economically at that time, we could apply this concept to AI, to ChatGPT, to Google, to tech in general, and how all of those things are coming down the pike. And a lot of people are having a lot of anxiety about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a Frankenstein story. Mm -hmm. You know, those are things that we're trying to co-opt for our own agenda that we're trying to control that might be uncontrollable and turn into a monster against us. Sure. It's that idea that I feel like on deeper levels, and there's probably a hundred more themes I'm not talking about, but that's enough for today. Yeah, no, I mean, it all makes sense. There's so much you can take from that story and all the derivatives. Yeah, and I mean, on the surface... Uh, if you just want to look at on the surface, it's it's a discussion around life and death, yeah. around creation and destruction, which are all very universal. Well, things. and ultimately, you know, man playing God in some way, shape or form, we all have a part of us that's intrigued by that omnipotence. Absolutely. And also, I think that boundary between life and death. So there's those grief themes that's universal. And stories about the I mean, my God, how many horror movies do we talk about right now on the show? Like, Agnosium over and over and over again. Half the time you push play and it's about grief. Yeah. You know, so. grief and pregnancy. I Those know, are the two right? things. Everybody's pregnant and dying. Everyone's pregnant and dying. <laughs> or possessed and pregnant and dying. Well, and I also think if I'm looking at from a like a sort of a shadowy side, there I believe as humans, there is a part of us that's the monster. The monster, the unleashed monster at the ends of the story, because in in the Frankenstein story, you know, like I said, it starts out delightful with with wanting to be accepted and all of that, and that is the pathos of this story. It's just cr- it crushes your heart because mm-hmm. it turns into this, you know, obviously madness. And I think there's a part of us that all yearn for that, and then but then we also connect to his rage. It's just like when you like slasher movies where you connect to the killer. Yeah. Wanting to get pissed off and kill everyone. And there's something that we get to exercise through reading the book, through watching these movies. We get to put ourselves in that position and just go hog wild uh, being a monster. Yeah. Because we all have that monster within us. Yeah, no, true. I mean, it's it's a nice little fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Cathartic. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah. I absolutely loved this movie. I think we both did. Yep. Um, but would you like some answers? Oh, okay. Let me let me do this. Angry fast with cats because we love to be angry. <laughs> Number one. Uh-huh. When director Bamani J. Story was a kid, his sisters gave him three horror films that terrified him. Were they... American Werewolf in uh, London, Child's Play, Lost Boys. Were they People Under the Stairs, Candyman, Friday the 13th? Or were they Child's Play, Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street? This is hard because I don't know how old he is, right? So it would be about sort of when I want to pick number one. I want to pick number one. It's actually number three, Child's Play, Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Those are great films. Number two, Story said the script idea came to him in what year before being picked up in 2020? 2009. Eight. Oh, it's close. Yeah. I'm like probably like 10 or 15 years before because it it implies that it took a while. I think something happened like pre-COVID and then it got dropped and then during COVID it got picked up. Leia DeLeon, who plays Vicaria in the film, is best known for her role on what CBS series opposite Queen Latifah? 
I don't remember the name of it. I know exactly the series. You'll know it when I say it. Yep. The Equalizer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Number four, Frankenstein is considered an early example of science fiction and was inspired by what? In Mary Shelley's life, right? Yes. I really don't know the answer, but I, I mean, I know a little bit about Mary Shelley's growing up, but I know that there was, she felt complicit in some deaths. And I that, thought, it actually came to her from a dream. Okay. I also know there's a story around her like feeling guilty in some people who had died. I don't remember the details and I don't know, maybe I'm making that up in my head, but there's something around that. And I thought maybe like the guilt of that, like how mm-hmm. she worked it out imaginally was to create a story about how you could t- bring them back to life and save yourself. <laughs> and that could have come through a dream. Yeah. Right. Started right. So maybe that's some yeah. conflation in my mind of the two. But well, we know that dreams sometimes are about working out our anxieties and things. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah for sure. And number five, there's some speculation that Shelly may have lost her virginity here. In this room. No. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know anything. Oh in, a, oh, in a graveyard. Her mother's grave. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On her mother's grave. I've heard that story. Over her dead body. It came to me in a dream. <laughs> yeah, I've read that story. I forgot that it was the mom, though. <sighs> yeah. There it is. Folks. There it is. If you haven't seen this, do yourself a favor. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of made it sound pretty heavy because we're talking about Frankenstein, but I can There's tell you good that humor it, in it. But that I can tell you that it's like a solid horror movie. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it, and the acting's good, and you got a teen, a teen main character, which might appeal, and uh, yeah, and know. an all black cast, That's except true. for the teacher. It's an all-black cast. That's true. And that is very rare. Love it. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.